0: The rest of us are going to be in John chapter 4. And I'm just going to start by reading our passage in John chapter 4. So if you have a pretty smartphone, or you actually brought a Bible. You could also grab one when you come in. Um, John chapter 4, going to begin at verse 27. And We pick it up in verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him, this is Jesus, with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reached the benefits of their labor. Okay, let's talk about this. In 1989... John Grisham, Grisham published his very first novel. Anybody here read a John Grisham novel novel? His first one was called "The Time to Kill" in 1989. It sold a whopping 5,000 copies in hardcover. It was not advertised. It was not reviewed by any big name critics. And it appeared to be a flop by normal standards. Grisham's second book was called The Firm. It was not advertised either. The reviews were sparse and not very good. But people read this book. And they liked it so much that they told their friends. And they read the book. And they told their friends. And guess what? He sold 7 million copies of his second book. Now, since that time, nine of John Grisham's novels have been made into movies. Wouldn't be surprised if you've seen one or two. Um, Since then, uh, he has written 28 consecutive number one bestsellers. And it's not because of great advertising. It's because people read the books, and they liked the books, and they told their friends. That's always been the best method for communicating who Jesus is and what what he has done. When somebody who knows Jesus Tells their friends, and they tell their friends, and they tell their friends. That's always been God's plan. Now, last week in John chapter 4, we saw how Jesus uh, met a Samaritan woman. Remember that? And that was at Jacob's well. And uh, he started a conversation with her. Remember, he comes up to Jacob's well. He sits down. It's a a hot and dusty day at, at, at noontime, And uh, this woman comes out alone in the middle of the day, kind of unusual, uh, really too hot to be out getting water. And she's by herself, and that's not normal because they usually traveled in herds, uh, kind of a security thing. And um, Jesus has this conversation with her. And he asked her for a drink of water. And uh, then he moves the conversation to talk about spiritual water a living water and uh, she is very interested and she wants to know more and and jesus said go get your husband and she says well i don't have a husband and he says you're right you've had five husbands and the man you're with right now is not your husband so jesus breaks down the social barriers when he approaches this woman One, that she is a woman because rabbis didn't speak to women, but uh, two, that she is a Samaritan woman, and the Jews tried to ignore Samaritans, male or female. So we come to uh, verses 27 through 30 today, and uh, we identify these social barriers, breaking social barriers. Uh, The first uh, barrier um, is in, we see it is, is in verse 27, but... Let me just set the context for verse 27. And it goes back to 25 and 26. In the discussion that Jesus has with this woman, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. He's also already done a pretty good job explaining things to her about her life. Then Jesus declared, this verse 26 is really an amazing Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And he reveals himself clearly to a woman and a Samaritan woman. And he didn't even do that with his own disciples. He just gave them clues. And so in verse 27, just then, meaning right when Jesus says, I am he, I'm the one, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? You know, they know not to ask him a question like that because he's got a reason for what he's doing, what he's doing, and they don't want to look foolish, and so they don't ask. Sometimes wise, sometimes just don't ask, Uh, so um, the, if you remember, the disciples had, had gone away. They'd gone to the t- town nearby. The town was Sychar, and they went there to buy food. And uh, they're hungry, and they know Jesus is hungry as well. And uh, so they're very surprised to find him talking to this woman because rabbis don't talk to, to women. And th- this was way different than the kind of world you've ever lived in, um, There are a number of quotes I could read to you about first century perspective on uh, how the rabbis viewed women. And I won't, uh, I'm just going to read one. And it says this A man shall not be alone with a woman in an inn, not even with a sister or daughter, on account of what men may think. This is true. And then it goes on. A man shall not talk with a woman in the street, not even with his own wife, especially not with another woman, on account of what men may say. It's all about what people think, right? It was in the first century. So Jesus crosses a huge social barrier to have this encounter with this woman and engage her in a conversation that will change her life forever there's a second barrier in verses 28 through 30 verse 28 then leaving her water jar so the woman came to get water remember in the middle of the day and she now leaves her water jar and she leaves with living water Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. So she changes her plan. She's found the living water at the well. And she goes back to Sychar to tell others about her experience, about meeting Jesus, about having an opportunity to talk to this amazing person. Now, I would say she has a very skillful approach on how she deals with communicating uh, when she goes back to to Sychar. Uh, If you remember, she has a bit of a reputation in her town. Maybe she's even been shunned by some of these people because of her relational failures in the past. And um, she says, could this be the Messiah? She she, she didn't say, I want to introduce you to the Messiah. I know who the Messiah is. I can tell you. She doesn't do that. She says, could this? could, Could it possibly be Messiah? She knows the answer. But she's asking a question because she knows how she must relate to these people. I think they're men mostly. Maybe all of them are men. And she's not going to direct them or teach them or, you know, advise them. She's going to create curiosity and invite them to evaluate this for themselves. Now, I didn't say it was fair. And she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. There's a lot of things that she did. And those people want to know some of those things. What did she do? And so, I don't know. There's a very curious thing about this man. What does he know? Who is he? And so um, they want to go. Verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. So they head out. Likely, they're mostly men. And this was a barrier to overcome for the sake of the gospel. This Samaritan woman, even communicating with her own townspeople in Samaria, because of her past, because she's been a social outcast, she, a woman, is communicating about Jesus. She wants to tell her story. She wants to tell people how she meant Jesus. She wants other people to know about him. And she's willing to go out of her own comfort zone to engage other people. And very simply, she's just being a witness for Christ. You know, you know what a witness does? Just they tell the truth. They tell the truth about what they know. And she doesn't know a lot about Jesus yet, but what she does know, she wants to share. She has become a witness for Christ and a powerful witness at that. Um, after Jesus' resurrection, um, Before he went back to heaven, he gave his followers these instructions. You probably remember Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And Jesus said, but you to his disciples will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you in the future, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit did come on them. And... The Holy Spirit has already come on you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ because when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, part of the work of your salvation was that the Holy Spirit indwelled you immediately. And Jesus wants his followers to become witnesses for him, to tell the truth about what they know. You can't tell about what you don't know. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world. Just tell other people what you do know. And he tells them, You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem because that's the starting place. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where the disciples were located uh, when he spoke these words to them. And then it's going to expand into Judea, into the countryside. Then it's going to go to Samaria. And that's not such a comfortable place for, for Jewish people to go in the first century. And we're going to go through that social barrier right there. And then we're going to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus wanted world missions from the beginning. He always has and that's our role to help direct people in finding Jesus to tell other people about what we know to engage other people so that they too can come to faith in Jesus Christ in verses 31 through 38 we, we see Jesus talk about priorities choosing priorities. So the story is going to take a a kind of a different direction right now. And it starts with the physical needs in verses 31 through 33. He's been talking about living water, but now we're going to go back to the physical needs. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Sounds like his mom, doesn't it? So They've been hungry. They were starving. Now they have food. They care about Jesus. They want, they want to take care of him. Because they've noticed that he doesn't always just think about food, and so sometimes they have to remind him. And um, they they want they're trying to help, but he said to them, "I have food to eat that you know nothing about." He surprises them. What food? Um, What's he talking about? Is he keeping a secret? Did did somebody come? Verse 33, his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? That would explain it. Did the woman give him food? Why, Why does he have food that they don't know about? But no one did bring food to Jesus. And he introduces for us something higher, a higher concept. I wonder if you've experienced it before. Um, Verse 34, Jesus talks about his priorities. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. That's what gives Jesus life. That's what nourishes Jesus. Jesus. is to do the will of his father. That's his passion. It's food for him. It has its own kind of nourishment. It's different than physical food and physical nourishment. Jesus for Jesus food can wait until he does the will of his father it doesn't mean he doesn't like to eat or that he won't eat and it doesn't mean that jesus didn't need food in the flesh he did but he had priorities and there are times that he could choose to say no for food for something better for 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 something more important and for him it was a ministry opportunity it was about the kingdom of his Father. It was about advancing that kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Jesus alludes to this, and we see that the tempter came to him. Uh, This is the the temptation Jesus experienced early in ministry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, and he is, tell these stones to become bread. Do you remember that? Could Jesus do that? yeah. Turning stones into bread is not too difficult for the creator of the universe. But Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Yeah, we need bread. We need food. But not just bread. Not just food. But every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need the word of God. We need them both. We need to be nourished by both. And Jesus said there are times where he will put that over eating. He can work through his lunch if he has an opportunity to share the good news with somebody else. And he was willing to do that. Um, Have you ever had that experience? Do you find that you can put off your stomach to serve God? I'm not telling you to do anything weird or strange. I'm just saying there are priorities sometimes. Jesus gave us an example. He got joy. He was nourished. He was fed by serving God his father when he was in align with his father. Verse 35 we see the opportunities and here comes the work of God that he's talking about. Verse 35 he says, "Don't you have a saying it's still 4 months until harvest? I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest." So, um He's talking about first century farming, which is a little uh, more difficult for us to engage in. There's a time of sowing the seed. They had to do that by hand. And uh, it took about four months before what they had sowed, like sowing wheat, before it would be harvested. Um, The field he refers to is not wheat. Because if there's four months left for the harvest, that's not the one he's talking about. He's talking about a different kind of harvest. He says, "Um, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. What was he referring to? Well, it's not perfectly clear. I believe he's referring to the people that are coming toward him, those townspeople from Sychar, who are on their way to the well, where Jesus and his disciples are. And why the white? You know, wheat would it would take four months for the wheat to become white. Maybe it's the white garments, the long flowing white garments, as they, as they progress toward the well open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest he's he's asking them to pay attention to the world around you do you see the opportunities do you see the potential he goes on in 36 and talks about the team approach serving the team he says, even verse 36 even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests the crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. So he continues with his farming illustration. Um, it has a spiritual connotation. He's not talking about sowing and reaping wheat here, he's talking about sowing the word of God. He's talking about specifically the good news, the gospel of salvation, and reaping eternal life. He's talking about evangelism. And his point is, it is a team effort. Sometimes we get psyched out thinking, to share the good news, I've got to know everything, and I've got to do everything, and if somebody doesn't come to faith in Christ, I'm a failure. No, it's a team effort. Some people will sow the seed of God's word. They might have the privilege to reap. Some people will cultivate or water or take care of the weeds. And some people will reap. Some people will see a conversion to Christ. Jesus is saying in this current situation, others have sown the seed. And for example, Jesus has sown the seed and the woman has taken that information and now she is the one spreading. And it's all set up now for the disciples. And they're going to be reaping. But it's not just in this event. He's, He's talking about their future. About the next three years. Verse 37. Thus the saying, one who sows and another reaps, is true. The disciples will have the joy of reaping, even though others have done the work. So the Apostle Paul, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 6 through 9. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul uh, had to say. First Corinthians 3. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos, another leader, watered. But God is making things grow. It's a God thing. The seed is God's word. The message of the gospel. Verse 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. He's talking about the church. He says, you are God's field, God's building. The application for us is that we are a team. Uh, We have... We all have roles. We all are witnesses. And the important thing is for us is to do our role, to speak about what we know, not about what we don't know, to speak the truth as a witness for Christ. Verse 38, reaping the benefits. Jesus said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Labor, So other people have shared the hard work. And he's talking about not only this day, but he's talking about future ministry. Other people have done the hard work. Some of those include the prophets of God who, because of the word of God, and some of those prophets were put to death without much joy in their life and without much uh, results of their preaching. And yet it was having an impact hundreds of years later in the first century because prophecy was being fulfilled and people were starting to pay attention. And then there was John the Baptist and he'd been out there preparing the way and he'd done a lot of hard work and he's going to get his head chopped off. And the disciples are going to reap some of the benefits of their hard work. They're going to be able to reap uh, the harvest of people coming to faith in Christ. In uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus refers to the joy of reaping, seeing the final result. And here's what happens in heaven. He says, in the same way, I tell you this, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner sinner who repents. When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven. When you came to faith in Christ, there was a party for you in heaven. And there is joy when you see another person come to faith in Christ. The longer you've been around, the more you know that. That it brings a great joy to see somebody come to faith in Christ. IT BRINGS A GREAT JOY WHEN YOU HAVE THE PRIVILEGE YOURSELF TO HELP SOMEBODY CROSS THE LINE OF FAITH AND PUT THEIR TRUST IN JESUS CHRIST. WE COME TO THE LAST SECTION, VERSES 39-42. through INFLUENCING MANY. WE START WITH THE INFLUENCE OF ONE, AND WE KNOW WHO THAT IS, THE WOMAN AT THE WELL, VERSE 39. MANY OF THE SAMARITANS FROM THE TOWN BELIEVED IN HIM BECAUSE OF THE WOMAN'S TESTIMONY. He told me everything I ever did. She couldn't keep her discovery of Christ to herself. And she wanted to share about the one who had she had this encounter with. And her openness and her honesty and her humility attract attention. Um, it has a huge influence on those people who came out from Sychar they wanted to see the real deal they wanted to know if this were true or not and they believed in Jesus verses 40 through 42 and this is our last section the impact on many verses uh, 40 so when the Samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words many more became believers so here's this woman who's had five husbands, and she's the one she has now is not a husband. And uh, she has tremendous influence because she is a social outcast. And people find it fascinating to learn of her story on what she had to, to share. And so... Once this group encountered Jesus, they invite Jesus to stay, and they want to know more. In verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We, we, we learn in verse 41, and because of his words, because of what Jesus taught those people in Sychar because of the good news he brought to Sychar many more became believers so we have the group that came out and now Jesus has gone into the town and many more it's becoming a very large group of people because of that one person Um, verse 42 we no longer believe just because of what you said now this is what I love about Scripture. It doesn't try to hide um, what happens. It describes what happens, just like it happened. Now we don't think it is politically correct to—they're uh, just sort of dissing this woman right now. It's not—you know—it's not because of you. We we figured it out ourselves. We made our decision, and it is important that they trust in Jesus and not in the woman. But it's just like we got to have a final word, so everybody knows that it's not because of you. Um, it's it's because it's not because of what you said, but it's because of what we have heard from, for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They have come to the right conclusion. By the way, Jesus. Is a revolutionary when it comes to how he treats women it's way different than other people in their culture way different and people don't give him the credit uh, that is that is due him but you know they don't want to give her much credit here but it's not about who gets the credit is it uh there's no competition in God's kingdom. It's not about who gets the credit. One sows, one may cultivate, one may have the privilege to reap the harvest. The goal is to introduce other people to Jesus Christ. The goal is to see other people have their lives changed and turn around and become followers of Jesus Christ. We call that conversion. The goal is to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers. Of Jesus. Would you like to have that kind of influence that this woman had? Would you like your life to be able to just to share what you know and not what you don't know, just because you were willing to engage in a conversation to see where it would go? You don't have to solve every problem or give all the information just to start the conversation. Sometimes it takes weeks or months or years, but you can start. On April 21st, 1855, there was a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. Everybody know him? Edward Kimball. And he had the privilege to lead a young boy to Christ. And his name was D.L. Moody. Maybe you heard of him. In 1873, D.L. Moody was in Liverpool, England, and he led a man to Christ named F.B. Meyer. I have a book of, or two of his, I think. F.B. Meyer traveled with Moody and spoke at Northfield, where he had a huge influence on, a, on another young man named J. Wilbur Chapman. You may not know that name, but he is another great, Man for God. Um, Chapman also joined D.L. Moody in his evangelistic tours and had a huge influence on a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday. Some of you know that name. If you look on the internet, you can probably find a picture of him preaching. In 1934, uh, Billy Sunday, who became an evangelist on his own right, Led a man to Christ, Mordecai Ham, who was another significant evangelist. And in 1934, Mordecai Ham preached in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a young teenage boy named Billy Graham heard the gospel and placed his faith in Jesus Christ. 210 million people heard the gospel because of Billy Graham. One person, Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher, and the influence of the gospel just by sharing what you know. So who will you influence for Jesus? Who will you just take the time to start a spiritual conversation with? Just simple. You don't have to dump the whole truck. You may get that opportunity, but make it simple. We are to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. Let's stand together for prayer. God, I don't know exactly what happened with uh, the health issue today and uh, the emergency situation, but please watch over uh, that person, and uh, we just ask God that you will preserve and uh, protect and um, raise up this person. I'm not even sure who it it was. And God, um, we thank you for uh, the Gospel of John and uh, for the the encounter that we um, experienced today with... uh, the story of the woman at the well and those uh, Samaritans who encounter Jesus too. Help us to learn from that. And uh, may we just want to be people um, who take the time to tell one other friend, one other person, one other classmate, or one other coworker. And um, may we follow in in the footsteps of those who have shared their faith. And we uh, just commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.